0: Welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode 159, As a Hen Doth Gather. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. This week we are studying Matthew chapter 13, Luke chapter 8, and chapter 13. And as per usual, in these chapters, we have so many things we could talk about. And I would say the theme of this week's chapters are parables, lots of parables to cover, but I'm not going to cover them. There are so many amazing podcasts and reading material available for you to study those. And so I encourage you to reach out beyond my podcast and go listen to other ones because there's so much this week for you to learn about. And really, we could say that about every week, right? So what I wanted to talk about the most is a part A couple of parts but one of which you might not notice as you read through the chapters because the joseph smith translation adds so much to this particular portion so if you're not looking at that you might miss it in luke chapter 13 starting in verse 31 the pharisees came to jesus and told him to get out and go away because herod is going to kill you now in my mind when i read that i'm like why did the pharisees care isn't that what they wanted but that's what it says Jesus replies, essentially saying to go tell that fox, meaning King Herod, that I have work to do and prophecy to fulfill, including atoning for the sins of the world by being killed for it. So I'm not going to alter what I'm doing because of Herod. Verse 32, and he said unto them, go ye and tell that fox, behold, I cast out devils and I do cures today and tomorrow and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. This is where we get an addition from the Joseph Smith translation. So he then says, This he spake, signifying of his death. And in this very hour he began to weep over Jerusalem. The weeping is the part that we miss out on in the King James Version. He began to weep over Jerusalem. There's something special about hearing about the creator of the world weeping over the state of the world. It isn't all just justified judgment and vengeance. It's also sorrow and heartbreak. As he is weeping, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets, and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. That last part is so important. It says, ye would not, emphasizing their choice in the matter. They could have been gathered, but they would not. Now, this whole expression and Christ weeping reminds me of one of my favorite encounters in the scriptures with Christ, who was then Jehovah, in Moses chapter 7. Enoch, who had founded and built a city eventually known as the City of Holiness or Zion, experiences a vision in which the Lord visits him and shows him many things. In this vision, Enoch said that surely Zion, meaning his city, would be protected forever. He was then shown that eventually that city would be raised up to the Lord and be translated, and that all the righteous in the land would also then be raised up to join the city. But then he was shown what was going to happen to the people who were left behind, who had not accepted the gospel and embraced wickedness. Now, as I read this, the reason I want to read it is because I feel like it expands and clarifies perfectly the feelings of the Savior that he's having as he weeps for the wicked in Jerusalem. Moses chapter 7, starting in verse 24. This is what Enoch's seeing. And there came generation upon generation, and Enoch was high and lifted up, even in the bosom of the Father and of the Son of Man. And behold, the power of Satan was upon all the face of the earth. And he saw angels descending out of heaven, and he heard a loud voice saying, Woe, woe, be unto the inhabitants of the earth. And he beheld Satan, and he had a great chain in his hand, and it veiled the whole face of the earth with darkness. And he looked up and laughed, and his angels rejoiced. And Enoch beheld angels descending out of heaven, bearing testimony of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Ghost fell on many, and they were caught up by the powers of heaven into Zion. And it came to pass that the God of heaven looked upon the residue of the people, and he wept. And Enoch bore record of it, saying, How is it that the heavens weep, and shed forth their tears as rain upon the mountains? And Enoch said unto the Lord, How is it that thou canst weep, seeing that thou art holy, and from all eternity to all eternity? And were it possible that man could number the particles of the earth, yea, millions of earth like this, it would not be a beginning to the number of thy creations, and thy curtains are stretched out still. And yet thou art there, and thy bosom is there, and also thou art just, thou art merciful and kind forever, and thou hast taken Zion to thine own bosom, from all thy creations, from all eternity to all eternity. And naught but peace, justice, and truth is the habitation of thy throne, and mercy shall go before thy face, and have no end. How is it thou canst weep? The Lord said unto Enoch, Behold, these thy brethren, they are the workmanship of mine own hands. And I gave unto them their knowledge in the day I created them, and in the garden of Eden I gave unto man his agency. And unto thy brethren I have said, and also given commandment that they should love one another, and that they should choose me, their father. But behold, they are without affection, and they hate their own blood. And the fire of mine indignation is kindled against them. And in my hot displeasure I will send in the floods upon them, for my fierce anger is kindled against them. Behold, I am God. Man of holiness is my name. Man of counsel is my name. And endless and eternal is my name also. Wherefore, I can stretch forth mine hands, and hold all the creations which I have made, and mine eye can pierce them also. And among all the workmanship of mine hands there has not been so great wickedness as among thy brethren. But behold, their sins shall be upon the heads of their fathers. Satan shall be their father, and misery shall be their doom, and the whole heavens shall weep over them, even all the workmanship of my hands. Wherefore, should not the heaven weeps? Seeing these shall suffer. I'm going to pause there. Listen to that question he poses to Enoch. After Enoch says, How canst thou weep? He says, Wherefore should not the heavens weep, seeing these shall suffer? He loves us, every single one, and mourns the necessity of judgment and vengeance which is his, even though he knows it's necessary. Continuing, But behold, these which thine eyes are upon shall perish in the floods, and behold, I will shut them up, a prison have I prepared for them. And that which I have chosen hath pled before my face, wherefore he suffereth for their sins, inasmuch as they will repent in the day that my chosen shall return unto me, and until that day they shall be in torment. Wherefore, for this shall the heavens weep, yea, and all the workmanship of mine hands. And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Enoch, and told Enoch all the doings of the children of men. Wherefore Enoch knew, and looked upon their wickedness and their misery, and wept and stretched forth his arms, and his heart swelled wide as eternity, and his bowels yearned, and all eternity shook. This is why the Savior was weeping. Enoch questions at first, wondering, with all of the creations of his hands that would be saved. And all of his glory and all that would follow the path that he had prepared for them. He questions why the Lord would weep. But once Enoch understood the wickedness of the children of men, and once he truly understood the worth of their souls that would be lost, his heart swelled wide as eternity, his bowels yearned and all eternity shook. It continues. And as Enoch saw this, He had bitterness of soul, and wept over his brethren, and said unto the heavens, I will refuse to be comforted. But the Lord said unto Enoch, Lift up your heart, and be glad, and look. And it came to pass that Enoch looked, and from Noah he beheld all the families of the earth, and he cried unto the Lord, saying, When shall the day of the Lord come? When shall the blood of the righteous be shed, that all they that mourn may be sanctified and have eternal life? And the Lord said, It shall be in the meridian of time, in the days of wickedness and vengeance. And behold, Enoch saw the day of the coming of the Son of Man, even in the flesh, and his soul rejoiced, saying, The righteous are lifted up, and the Lamb is slain from the foundation of the world, and through faith I am in the bosom of the Father, and behold, Zion is with me. So Enoch went from great despair, saying that he refused to be comforted, after feeling the love for the people of the earth and therefore feeling the full weight of despair at their loss to being comforted and rejoicing as he sees that the Savior will come to the earth to save his people after seeing and understanding the greatness of the plan. This is the same range of emotions that the Savior is demonstrating as he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together." as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. And then he says in the Joseph Smith translation in the next verse, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And verily I say unto you, Ye shall not know me until ye have received from the hand of the Lord a just recompense for all your sins, until the time come when you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Christ is feeling so sad about those whom he would have gathered as a hen gathers her brood, and yet he also knows what he is about to do and that it will save so many as they choose him. Hopefully, we can be wise and allow him to gather us under his wings. And all this talk about mother hens made me want to research a little bit about what kind of mothers chickens are. And as I read this, I want you to think about what kind of protection Christ is to us. On upc-online.org, it has an article about hens being a symbol of motherhood. It says, In the first century AD, the Roman historian Plutarch praised the many ways in which mother hens cherish and protect their chicks. So this historian was around the time of Christ. He says, Drooping their wings for some to creep under and receiving with joyous and affectionate clucks others that mount upon their backs and run up to them from every direction. And though they flee from dogs and snakes if they are frightened only for themselves, if their fright is for their children, they stand their ground and fight it out beyond their strength. Now, obviously, there are some significant differences between chickens and the Savior. He has no one to be frightened of, but he does have a reason to be frightened. Or perhaps there's a better word for that, because I don't think that the Savior is ever frightened, but he has tender feelings of an impassioned plea for his brood because he knows they all have their agency to choose whether they are going to take advantage of that safety under his wing it continues the renaissance writer ulysses androvandi described how at the first sign of a predator mother hens will immediately gather their chicks under the shadow of their wings and with this covering they put up such a very fierce defense striking fear into their opponent in the midst of a frightful clamor using both wings and beak they would rather die for their chicks than seek safety in flight so his chicks that are gathered are offered protection but unlike a hen's protection his protection is sure his protection cannot fail through the covenants we make We are then promised protection from the adversary. We are promised that as we honor those covenants, he will honor his promises associated with that covenant, therefore keeping us in perfect spiritual safety. On that same website, the author tells a story about one of her chickens. They say, I saw this love in action when a hen named Eva jumped our sanctuary fence on a spring day and disappeared, only to return three weeks later in June with eight fluffy chicks. Watching Eva with her tiny brood close behind her was like watching a family of wild birds whose dark and golden feathers blended perfectly with the woods and foliage they melted in and out of during the day. Periodically, Eva would squat down with her feathers puffed out and her peeping chicks would run under her wings for comfort and warmth. A few minutes later, the family was on the move again. One day, a large dog wandered in front of the magnolia tree where Eva and her chicks were foraging. With her wings outspread and curved menacingly toward the dog, she rushed at him over and over, cackling loudly, all the while continuing to push her chicks behind herself with her wings. The dog stood stock still before the excited mother hen and soon ambled away, but Eva maintained her aggressive posture, her sharp, repetitive cackles, and attentive lookout for several minutes after he was gone i wish you guys could see the picture that the author attached to the story it was a picture of a mother hen all fluffed up guarding her chickens beneath her wings against a predator this chicken was clearly using all of her energy to protect her chicks the father and the son and the holy ghost have told us over and over again in different ways in scriptures that they are using all of their energy to protect and save us they proclaim that their work and glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man, of you. All of their energy is directed toward that goal, just as this chicken used all her energy to protect her chicks. Cluckandhens.net said this, Mother hens are very protective of their chicks. They keep them close with a series of special clucks and warn them of any dangers, as well as showing them which foods are good and how to find insects. The Lord has given us the gift of the Holy Ghost and the light of Christ. He has given us signals, internal and external, to warn us of danger. He sends prophets, scriptures, parents, and so much more to teach us what food is good for our spirits and how to find it. We find another version of this same plea that we've been talking about in the Book of Mormon. After so much destruction has happened in the land when Christ died, He speaks from the sky to the remaining Nephites and Lamanites in the land after they've suffered three days of complete darkness and destruction of their people. This is what they hear. Third Nephi chapter 10, starting in verse 4. O ye people of these great cities which have fallen, who are descendants of Jacob, yea, who are of the house of Israel, how oft have I gathered you, as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings and have nourished you. And again, how oft would I have gathered you, as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. Yea, O ye house of Israel, who have fallen. Yea, O ye people of the house of Israel, ye that dwell at Jerusalem, as ye that have fallen. Yea, how oft would I have gathered you, as a hen gathereth her chickens, and ye would not. O ye house of Israel, whom I have spared, how oft will I gather you, as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, if ye will repent and return unto me with full purpose of heart. Now talk about some repetition when there is some repetition in scripture, we know that the Lord is telling us something important. In these verses, we are given more. When he gathers as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, he will nourish us as we repent and return to him with full purpose of heart. Not return to him in perfection, but with full purpose of heart. That's attainable. I don't want to be someone that the Lord is weeping for. I want to be someone who is willing to be gathered, who qualifies through that willingness for protection and nourishment under his wing. Elder Henry B. Eyring said this in his talk, A Priceless Heritage of Hope. He says, The Lord has given us all the source of hope as we struggle to help those we love accept their eternal inheritance. And I would add, the Lord has given us all we need to accept our eternal inheritance. He continues, He has made promises to us, as we keep trying to gather people to Him, even when they resist His invitation to do so. Their resistance saddens Him, but He does not quit, nor should we. He sets the perfect example for us with His persistent love. And again, How oft would I have gathered you, as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings! Yea, O ye people of the house of Israel who have fallen! Yea, O ye people of the house of Israel, ye that dwell at Jerusalem, as ye that have fallen! Yea, how oft would I have gathered you as a hen gathereth her chickens, and ye would not. We can depend on that unfailing desire of the Savior to bring all of Heavenly Father's spirit children back to their home with Him. Every faithful parent, grandparent, and great grandparent shares in that desire. Heavenly Father and the Savior are our perfect examples of what we can and must do. They never force righteousness, because righteousness must be chosen. They make righteousness discernible to us. And they let us see that its fruits are delicious. Elder Iring emphasizes a beautiful part of that verse. How oft would I have gathered you as a hen gathereth her chickens? He doesn't try and gather us once. He keeps trying. So if you don't feel very gathered right now, if you don't feel like you've chosen to be gathered right now, he's still calling for you right now because the danger is still present. It's not too late for you. And it's not too late for those you love. His hand, as the scriptures say, I forget where, is stretched out all the day long. His wings are still spread in protection, available to every single person. It reminds me of Alma when he desires to be an angel so that he can tell everyone of the protection and salvation that is available to them. He says in Alma twenty nine, starting in verse one, O that I were an angel, and could have the wish of mine heart, that I might go forth and speak with the trump of God, with a voice to shake the earth, and cry repentance unto every people. Yea, I would declare unto every soul, as with the voice of thunder, repentance and the plan of redemption, that they should repent and come unto our God, that there might not be more sorrow upon all the face of the earth. But behold, I am a man, and do sin in my wish, for I ought to be content with the things which the Lord hath allotted unto me. I ought not to harrow up in my desires the firm decree of a just God, for I know that he granteth unto men according to their desire, whether it be unto death or unto life. Yea, I know that he allotteth unto men, yea, decreeth unto them decrees which are unalterable according to their wills, whether they be unto salvation or unto destruction. Yea, and I know that good and evil have come before all men. He that knoweth not good from evil is blameless, but he that knoweth good and evil, to him It is given according to his desires, whether he desireth good or evil, life or death, joy or remorse of conscience. Now, seeing that I know these things, why should I desire more than to perform the work which I have been called? Why should I desire that I were an angel, that I could speak unto all the ends of the earth? For behold, the Lord doth grant unto all nations of their own nation and tongue to teach his word, yea, in wisdom, all that he seeth fit that they should have. Therefore we see that the Lord doth counsel in wisdom according to that which is just and true. I know that which the Lord hath commanded me, and I do glory in it. I do not glory of myself, but I glory in that which the Lord hath commanded me. Yea, and this is my glory, that perhaps I may be an instrument in the hands of God to bring some soul to repentance, and this is my joy. Alma is feeling the yearning of someone who knows the goodness of God, who knows the truth of God, who knows the perfection of His plan and wants all to be gathered in his protection, in his salvation, but he also knows that the plan is perfect and that the Lord will provide fair opportunity for all to choose him, to choose that protection and to choose his salvation. My prayer today is that you and I can listen to the warning voice of our prophets and apostles who speak for the savior as they tell us that danger is here and that we take shelter under the covenants we have been provided. And I pray that as we find peace and comfort and safety in those covenants, that we can help the Lord gather more, that we can catch the spirit of Alma here, yea, and this is my glory, that perhaps I may be an instrument in the hands of God to bring some soul to repentance, and this is my joy. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen.